Let's get into the word for today. So our word today comes from 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 to 17. So it says, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray that in this time, Lord, that all of our hearts would be open to you, that any word that comes from my mouth would just be your word, Lord, and anything else would fall to the wayside. But Lord, I just pray that we would come to know you through your word, Lord, that we would come and abide by your will and your will alone, Lord, that we would love everything that's of you and nothing of this world. In Jesus' name, amen. So as people, we all want to have free will. We all want the free will to make choices for ourselves. You know, this, this idea of free will is often considered a basic human right. But the reality of things is that in whatever we do, we're always following someone else's will, whether it be the will of God or the will of the enemy. So there's never actually any fully free will of our own. We're always going to end up following someone's will. And at the end of the day, that's just the reality of life. But our word today actually speaks on that. In our passage for today, John explains why it's always the best choice to follow God's will rather than any other will. Before I get into the word and we actually start digging into that, I just wanted to take a tiny bit of time to take a little detour back to our sermon from, well, last month, from the last sermon that I did. See, and see what it looks like for John when he's talking about obeying God's will. So what is God's will for us in John's eyes? Ultimately, to John, that all boils down to love. Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving everyone else just as Christ loved them. So that's what it means in John's eye to be for obeying God's will. So let's just shelf that and just remember throughout it that when we're talking about will, he's talking about loving God and loving people. So onto our actual word for today. So it comes in two sections. And at first, when you read it, it almost seems like they have nothing to do with each other. Like when I was actually doing the study on it this week, I was so confused. I thought this was gonna be two different sermons, but. It's, it's all one thing. It's all actually leading into one another. They both work to explain why seeking God's will is the best thing that we can do. It's everything that we need. 
it's the thing that will fulfill us. And so, first of all, I just want to kind of look at them separately as two separate parts, and then we'll kind of put it all together at the end. So let's start in this first section, uh, verses 12 to 14. Here, uh, John knows that everything that he wrote previous to this uh, could be a little bit confronting. He, he said in prior to this that if we don't love God, if we're not following this command to love, then we're as good as liars, and God isn't in us. And, I mean, I can safely say that I don't love God all the time, and I don't love everyone all the time, and I'm sure we're all exactly the same. So it can really make you feel like maybe you're the liar. Maybe you're not a believer at all. But in this first section here, in this first chunk, John wants to assure everyone that they are believers, that they do have a good relationship with God. See, these, the words previously weren't actually meant to scare anyone off. They was meant to encourage them to do God's will and to keep going on in that. So here John really aims to encourage everyone at every single stage that they're at. So he talks to both the believers as a whole, and then he talks to who he calls children, and then he talks to the mature believers, the fathers, and the young believers, the young men. When he does say fathers and young men, he actually includes both men and women in that. So that's just how the Greek language worked. If there was a man, then you don't refer to the women. So, but he is talking about all people. So starting off with the church, whole church, he has two massively important pieces of encouragement. The first is, your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. And the second, you know the Father. See, this is a certainty for anybody in faith. If we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we can be absolutely certain that we have been forgiven of our sins. It's no longer something that we need to worry about. We don't have to fret about our sins because at the end of the day, they've all been put to death with Jesus. We've been totally redeemed, so no matter what happens, past, present, and future, even if we don't follow God's will perfectly, it's all good because we've been forgiven already. That's an absolute assurance that he gives. And because of that redemption, we also get to know the Father personally. We get to have a deep and personal relationship with God, the very God of the universe, just like we would a real father on earth. So just like we would an earthly father, you know, you can just come to him however you are. We can bring our troubles and our worries our fears and our doubts before him like a child with their parent. See, God's always right there to support us, to guide us and encourage us. All that we need to do is just come straight to him. It's as simple as, it's as simple as that. We've already been forgiven our sins and we know the Father. So be encouraged in those facts. Keep going after God completely at all times, even when it gets rough. Even when you do fall and it feels like maybe you're not following God, you are. You're still right there. You're still in his love. So that's the one thing that everybody gets to enjoy and be encouraged by. It's, it's the encouragement no matter who you are. But John also wants to be a bit more specific here. So first of all, he turns to the fathers. So that's the mature believers in the church. Again, that's both the males and females, so fathers and mothers. So to them, he says, 
you know him who is from the beginning. John calls mature believers to be encouraged in the fact that of God's unchanging love. Because the God of the beginning has never once changed. He's always been exactly the same there for them year after year. As a mature believer, we know God deeply and thoroughly. It's a tried and tested relationship. It's built with him over years and years of hardship and struggle. So you guys who are mature in faith, you guys who have that experience, this is an encouragement to you that you actually play a massive role within the church. You guys are the people who guide the younger people in faith. You know, that season, love and understanding of God, that's, that's such a massive encouragement and that needs to be shared. Young believers need someone who they can look up to when times get tough, that have already been through all the struggles. They need to hear the stories and testimonies of how you made it through the hardest times with God. So John's saying here, you know, you guys know God and his faithfulness. So continue to persevere in that. Persevere in that for yourself and for the younger people in the faith. Like the mature believers, John also wants to be specific and encourage the less mature believers in the church. So that's the young men. Again, both male and female. This is targeted at both new believers, but also believers who are still on the journey to becoming mature believers. So John says here that you have overcome the evil one. See, we are challenged daily by the evil one. He wants us to sin and turn away from God. We're always in the midst of a battle every single day. But we have overcome the, de- the evil one through the death of Christ. You know, even if it doesn't feel like him, even when it feels like the devil has won over us, John wants to encourage us again in verse 14. He says, you are strong. Not you're becoming strong. You are strong. The word of God lives in you. See, it may feel like we're struggling, but you're strong. You can continue this fight because Christ is in you. So even if it feels like a challenge, it's all going to be worth it in the end. You just have to continue that battle each and every day. But just know that you've already won through what Christ has done. So continue to grow. Continue to be changed by God and challenged by God. Allow him to grow you into an even stronger believer. That's how we become mature in faith, and we can join that mature in faith group. So essentially, to sum up this first section, the whole point of what John is saying here is that it doesn't matter if you're a mature believer, a new believer, or something in between. Just look at everything that Christ has done for you. We have forgiveness. We know God, and we've won over the evil one. We can even come to to God as our very Father. This has all been done and given to us through Christ. Just look at everything that you have. Through God, we have everything that we could possibly need. So then... If we understand that, that actually leaves us with the last half of this passage. And here John's really saying that if we have all of these things, all of those things that God is offering for us, all these things that he's already done in us, then we don't need what the world has to offer. Because everything that the world has to offer is opposite of the will of God. 
So that's going to be verses 15 to 17, that next part. And the section opens on a command. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. So I know that this can be kind of confusing. In the last section that we were reading, John said that if we really are a believer in Christ, then we're all called to love. And in John's gospel, he says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for the world. So it kind of seems like John's almost being a little bit bipolar here. He's saying, well, we're supposed to love everyone and everything, but not the world. But that is everything, right? So is he saying here suddenly that, you know, it's love to wrong food, love to wrong, sorry, wrong to love, that's the way that it goes, food or your cat, mountains or even people? Well, no. See, what John's talking about here isn't creation. It's not the created world that we're living in. If we take a look forwards a couple of chapters and we go to 1 John 5.19, it says, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the power of the evil one. See, the devil is actually constantly at work trying to kill, steal, destroy, and corrupt. Through the entirety of human history, he has been warping the systems of this world into something twisted. So through the world itself, even though the world itself is not bad, the power of, devil, the, power of the devil at work within the world are all of the things that are trying to lead us away from God. It's everything that we're completely used to, but it's just a twisted version of it that's trying to pull us away from him. So John knows that it's a balance. Well, everything he said earlier on is true. We're all forgiven, and we're all living within that reality. Temptation is still a really real thing. We're always going to be tempted by these things that the devil has set up. We were born into that sort of a world. It's going to be a continuous challenge in the life of a believer. See, there's a war going on between the love of God and the love of the world in our hearts. We're always going to be tempted to follow one or the other. That's why he says here, don't love the world. We have to reject the world and everything that it has to offer. So what does the world have to offer then? If we know what God's offering, what does the world have to offer? That's going to be said in verse 16. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. We translate it as lust, just keep in mind, and often that's understood as something sexual, uh, which it can mean, but here it actually just means desire, so the desires of the flesh or the desires of the eyes. So let's take a little look closer at what these actually are. So the first one, the desires of the flesh. Those are the physical desires that are pulling us away from God. You know, it might be either sin or an idol in our life, whether that be as simple as something like sex, or once we start idolizing things like beauty or our bodies and placing those physical things above God, when we put a priority of those on those above who he is. 
So what about lust of the eyes? Well, this is our desire for the things that we see. It's where our want for things becomes greater than God. You know, you see someone uh, who has a newer car or a bigger house or more money than you, and your eyes are always going to want more. You're always going to desire more and more things, especially if you start trusting in that and following that. So if we live by our eyes, we're always going to seek more, and that's never going to be enough for us. The last of those things is the pride of life. It's our boast in our lifestyle or position. Or position. This is actually the opposite side of the coin to the other two. It's, it's where instead of wanting more, we find courage in what we already have. We become self, so self-assured because we have the biggest house or the nicest car or the most money. We want everyone to know about our status and our power. And we take pride in that, and we hold on to that as our insurance instead of Christ. See, all of these things are what the devil tries to lead us into. He wants us to be satisfied by the things of this world rather than the things that we have in Christ. But verse 17 tells us clearly why we shouldn't go after these things of the world. It says, The world and its desires pass away, but anyone who does the will of God lives forever. All of these things that the world has to offer are temporary. None of them stick around. None of this stuff is permanent. You know, we can focus on ourselves or our beauty as much as we want, but that's not going to stay around when we get old. We can make as much money as we want right now, but if something goes wrong, that's all going to disappear. And once we're dead, that's not going to matter anymore. See, everything in this life is temporary. But on the other hand, everything that God has given us through Jesus Christ, everything that he's reminded of us here, that we already have in him, is not just good for the here and now, but it's actually eternal. So why would we worry about or focus on the things of the world when we already have all we need for eternity in Christ? We can spend our time following the will of the world. At times, that may make us comfortable. I'm not going to lie about that. Uh, you know, we may be stable at a time, but none of that's going to last. All that security that we find in the world has been put in place by the devil, and that's going to end up bleeding us away from God if we keep our security in that. So it really makes no sense to follow anything but God's will. If your concern is your life security, just remember, if we're actually living out our life in fellowship with God, if we're living out what he calls us into, then we're going to be a big community of believers who would genuinely love those around us. So all of those more worldly securities that you could possibly build for yourself can be found in that. You know, it'll be a community who will be willing to support each other and help each other. And that's what it truly means to live as a community of faith. It's a people group who are leading each other to live for Christ and supporting each other in this life as well. If you do choose to follow the things of the world alone, then you're always going to end up with a God-shaped hole in your heart. Nothing that you're going to follow is ever going to fill that up. But he can fill that up, and everything he offers here is here. Everything that he offers is already here. 
We already have that. We're already living in that reality. And none of that's ever going to go away. So we have to make a choice to choose his will. We have to make a choice to choose to love him, to love the people around us, because if we're not, then we're just going to end up following the world. And none of the stuff that we're going to put our security into is ever going to lead us anywhere. So church, today, I would just ask that you would look to God, that you would choose his will over the will of the world. Don't try to fill yourself up with all this other stuff because it's not going to last. Instead, ask God to fill you again with more of himself, fill, to fill you up with everything that he has to offer. Take pride in that. Take boast in that and everything that he is rather than the world. So church, as, as we come into a time of prayer, I would just like to ask that we pray that God's will would be enough for our life. That we would want to seek him and him alone. The desires of his heart, because at the end of the day, those are the things that are never going to let you down. The reality of the world is that we're always going to be following someone. So we should choose to follow God rather than the world. So let's pray that he would be enough for our lives. That he would make this path clear for us to follow. So that we could continue to follow his will and continue to love him more each and every day. Let's pray. in us you've given us so so much already Lord we don't have to worry about anything because you've forgiven us of all of our transgressions you're right here with us and we can just talk to you and come to you with everything that we need you give us encouragement each and every day to trust you and keep believing in you Lord you are so faithful to serve Lord every time we come and follow you you always make everything right. Even if it's difficult at the time, everything turns out for the good. For those who follow you, you are faithful to that word. We thank you for that. So Lord, I just pray that you would help us to follow your will. That we would desire your will more and more every day. Lord, that we would come and we would love you, Father God, for who you are. We would love you with everything that we have in our body. And Lord, we would love all those around us, Father God, that we wouldn't be tempted by these things of the world, these impermanent things, Father God, but we would just understand that 
You and your people are forever. And these are the things that really matter. So Lord, just give us a heart to worship you and follow you again today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.